Hello, and welcome to the introduction of Dave Talk Some More. Today we've lined up a great introduction to the show. It's on right now, in fact. Hope you're enjoying it. Well, if you like this introduction, why not go ahead and listen to the show itself? It starts in just a few seconds now. All right, hey, y'all. Uh, so I'm Dave. I'm here with Maggie. We just missed the introduction because we're not wearing our headphones like uh, like we're supposed to, so I have no idea where we are. I think we're already about 20 minutes into the show, and we've just been looking at each other going, does it start? Were yet? we supposed to say something? I I feel like at some point after the engineer points at you, you're supposed to say something. Uh, I was I, I did not feel clear about it. It's probably not important. I didn't want to wear the headphones. <laughs> uh, it, I never felt more self-conscious. You know, I was like waiting for liftoff instructions from NASA or mm-hmm. something last time. That, and I want to talk yeah. later on about how bad my first podcast went. Uh, my first podcast episode went so bad. But I'm saving that. That's in my back pocket okay. in case things lull. Uh, you're Maggie. I haven't used your yes. name yet. Uh, you have the most interesting job in the world. I, there's definitely a lot going on with it. I just graduated med school. I am doing an internal medicine residency where you see people at their best, at their worst, everywhere in between. And you just deal with it as it comes. Well, let's just jump to the interesting part, which is seeing people at their worst. That's my favorite part of your sure. job. That's yeah. the stories. <laughs> uh, let's yeah. just jump to no, the, the fun the, stuff. The part where people are noble and, uh-huh. uh, you know, and they're just full of strength and courage. I, uh, I'm going to pass on that. I'm zoning out. It's not a Hallmark movie uh, type of podcast for me. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me about the bad stuff. <laughs> Just go ahead and throw HIPAA out the window. I know you've got an hour. It's episode one. I'm ready to sacrifice my medical dreams. This is it. For a podcast, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's got legs. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing people at their worst, um, it's... It's something that medical school doesn't really train you for. It's something where you see people doing crazy stuff. Um, it, it's it's a really weird dynamic where you have to talk in the most medical jargon nonsense where you're basically speaking Latin while the patient is drunk off their ass telling you to just get out of here. I don't care about what's going on. Well, I'm going to leave against medical advice, whatever. I, I thought you were really trained up to not talk like doctors to patients and to, I mean, what, yeah. what's the opposite of no, that? No, they, they tell you to do that. And yet in real life, whenever you try to do that, sometimes you either come off condescend. Like I had one patient who, um, he was trying to tell me that he couldn't understand my neuro exam. I was trying to understand like how much he could see. I held up three fingers and I was just like, well, tell me how many fingers am I holding up? And he's just like, well, I can't count. And I'm trying to differentiate. Oh. Are you having a stroke right now? Or are you just an it? And I'm like, well, 
how I, much I can't count could I mean don't, a lot of things. What does that mean? And so I asked, did you go to school? And he me, I'm not stupid. I'm like, well, I just can't count to three. I just can't count to three. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend you, but I, I feel like Elmo covered that pretty early on. What what is what is a neuro exam exactly? Oof. A neuro exam, it encompasses a lot of different things. The basic thing is just like cranial nerves where you try to, you shine the light in their eyeballs and you move their head all around and you have to blow out your cheeks and raise your eyebrows and you... Just to make sure you're thinking Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And you'll ask them, um, do you know where you are? Do you know what the day is? Can you tell me your name? Which is always funny to me because... Every time I have seen a doctor ask them, hey, do you know what day it is? Afterwards, they look at their phone to make sure that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> it's October 9th. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. And then if they get it wrong, it's just like, okay, well, we should probably keep them another day. Keeps up. Uh, I don't. I, I will literally ask them, hey, do you know what month it is? And then if it's like September 1st, I'm just like, well, he said that August. That's kind of... That's close that's enough. close enough. I so I'll counting count to one, two, three is part of the neuro exam. Um, I mean, if I'm trying to assess like your visual field, like if you we have a concern that you might have a stroke and you're complaining of visual problems, then I'll put my fingers out to the side and say, hey, can you count? Like, how many fingers am I holding up? And then if you can't get it from out here, then I'll move the fingers closer and... But if you can't get it right in front of you, then I have more questions. Well, I mean, at some point, when do you say, this guy's just high? This guy's just drunk? I, yeah. I, what, what do you want me to do? It, it, I, I base that off how the conversation is going. If you can have a normal conversation with me, then you're probably not drunk. If you're all over the place, then I'm, I'm probably just going to call it quits on you. So drunk, high. Yeah. What, what else is uh, the, the good stuff? <laughs> the good stuff uh, that's like what, my that, favorite patients <laughs> no your favorite disasters uh, I, I you know if you say your favorite yeah. patients i'm really afraid you're going to talk about somebody who is noble and brave oh and I okay, just, okay. I, i'm not here for that. that and again i can't emphasize that enough <laughs> really? that is not <laughs> this is not going to be a positive <laughs> podcast that is not on brand <laughs> <laughs> for me it is <laughs> I'm a divorce lawyer. Did I, <laughs> Let's be clear. Let's be clear. <laughs> uh, my favorite type of uh, blowout patients. Okay, I don't know what that means. Or you said um, favorite type of disaster patients. Yes. Favorite type of disaster patients. Um, honestly, I... I like patients who just talk to me like a person and don't treat it as a, like, don't get nervous around the doctor and who just use straight up language because I love a good patient quote in my medical documentation. Mm. Um, like, uh, let me try to think of a good one. It'll just be something like it's the difference between having a patient who says, um, I don't know, I've been having indigestion for a long time versus having a patient that says, I don't know, I can't eat for nothing. It, it, it's just I, I like a little bit of flavor in there. I like a little bit of spice. A little texture. Yeah. It keeps things interesting, and then you end up uh, remembering the patient a little bit better. Do you have favorite ailments? Not, I mean, not for you personally. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, like, boy, uh, 
I really love it when I get a good. Like this specific type of disease? Yeah, or anything. Um, honestly, my favorite type of disease is something that I've seen before so that I'm not Googling, hey, how do you treat this? Like every five seconds to make sure I'm getting every single step of it right. I mean, like when you were in med school and you're learning about all the different terrible things that can happen to somebody. Yeah. Did you ever compile like a wish list of <laughs> a wish list i don't mean it like in a negative i do mean it in a well, negative and dark way but it'd be like it would be so cool if i actually could see in person yeah a, and, and yeah. i don't know what would be on that list well you just you learn so many rare diseases in medical school that it's just like anytime you see one in person you get excited um, it's not going to be exciting to the layperson because they've never heard about it. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've seen some random things. I'm not looking for anything specific. I think in medical school, I wanted to see all of the rare stuff, but now that I'm out of it, I just want to see the routine stuff so that I have a clue. You hadn't gotten to the point where the routine stuff is boring. Like, no, I'm absolutely not there oh, yet. More, oh, more flu. More uh, flu. More, uh, no, I, I'm I would thrilled think, with more flu. Really? I mean, I, I know I'm not flu- supposed to say that part out loud, but sometimes people tell you they don't get their flu shot, and you're like, oh, okay, good. That'll help me meet my cap, and so I'll just have to treat just basic flu. I can do the flu. A how, 20-year-old with the flu, I can do that. How judgy are you with I didn't get my flu shot? Uh, you're not allowed to. To say that you are, you're not allowed to, but my favorite, my favorite type of patient is whenever they say, well, I'm not cool with getting the flu shot. And then you ask them, well, are you cool with getting the influenza vaccine? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Whatever doctor. Uh, Influenza. That's fine. Like, let's not, I'm like, okay, okay, great. Let's get one influenza vaccine. Why are you ripping open the flu (laughs) shot package? It clearly No, 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 no. no, that's influenza. (laughs) No, 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 no. Well, I'm surprised that you hadn't already gotten bored with flu or cold or, you know, pulling splinters or... Oh, well, those make me feel smart. I love... It is all about you. Just to be clear, and that is why I did this, whenever I'm able to prescribe vitamin C, uh, antiviral and say, okay, make sure to rest and drink a lot of fluids, and they say, thank you, Dr. Bridges, that hits. That hits. Anytime someone comes in with hep C cirrhosis and severe COPD and heart failure and I'm expected to manage their 20 problem list, that one is suddenly less fun for me personally. Well, because I don't know how to treat all that. I'm still. So, I, I am. You have a doctor in front no, of My name. first page I ever got was how this guy has low potassium, replete their potassium. And on a multiple choice question, you just click add potassium. In real life, there are 20 different choices for how to add potassium. And so even the most basic of things, you don't actually know how to if do. If you have low potassium, what, what's gonna uh, What's gonna make you say now? I got to go to the hospital. Well, that's something you get when you're already in the hospital because we're monitoring your electrolytes like every day. Okay. So if you get like 
really low potassium, you can get like heart arrhythmias, which is not favorable to us. So the nurse says, I got a pa- I got a mm-hmm. patient with low potassium. Yeah. And you don't just say, we'll go get the potassium needle. It's got a big K on it. Yeah. Um, shoot them no, up with some potassium. Because there's so What's many the choices. There's so many why different that, types why of is potassium. That not the choice? That should be the choice, but it, it, it's complicated. There are all the different options, and some cost more than others. Does, does, it, does the cost depend on what your insurance is? Here, let's talk about the real. Yeah. Let's talk about the real. Do the patient uh-huh. charts show what the insurance coverage is? Yes. Are you saying yes? Yes. Yes, As, we know what type of insurance you have. Okay, so it, when you're tr- when you're making treating choices, and you look, and it's like, ah, uh, you okay? You got Blue Cross Blue Shield. Okay, that mm-hmm. that that's pretty good. Well, then um, you get the fancy potassium. You get the <laughs> <laughs> you get the clean needle that hasn't been used before. Oh wait, you've got Aetna. You get a hand me down uh, nurse, needle. Nurse, go go through the trash can. <laughs> Okay, just keep digging around. There's got to be one in here. Well, just just shoot out whatever was in there, and <laughs> you know, looks like dirty blood. But, just get know, the just leftovers. Wash it out. Yeah. yeah. Is it really like that? Yeah, it's exactly like that. Oh my god! No, it's not exactly like that. <laughs> I, I I think that it is. All right, you're not in Mississippi. I guess I should say that so no. that all the malpractice plaintiffs right. lawyers who might. <laughs> there's no way anybody's going to be listening but if they are yeah and they listen to this you are should we even say where you do practice at i don't know i no. probably okay. not yeah yeah <laughs> probably I mean, yeah. not we're, we're thinking yeah, this this it's is a ca- this is a catch me if you can type situation <laughs> well here's the other thing is that you started as i recall like you get out of med school may mm-hmm. of this year yeah and you started like july 1 of this year yeah yeah i i'm not confident that and now we're in the end of november i'm mm-hmm. not confident that five months uh so-called on the job train it's not even five months on the job training because they keep no. rotating you around so it's more like 10 days on the job training no and you're I've, I've gotten like six weeks worth of clinic. I've gotten four weeks worth of liver, four weeks worth of ICU. And I got, I got to hear all this. Six somehow, weeks, six weeks of yeah. clinic yeah. is, A, I don't know what clinic is. Okay. So it's just like primary care doctor. So that's spread out. So you have two weeks here, two weeks here, two weeks here. And you just you and follow you're the just, doctor around, or you? No, you, you are, are you are the primary care doctor, and you get all the information, and you come up with your little treatment plan, and then you go talk to the boss attending doctor, and you say, "Hey, this is my plan," and they either tell you "good job" or "no, bozo," and they will go into the room with you. And if you and, took in the wrong information, mm-hmm. then well, they go back in and like kind of talk to them and make sure that it holds up but at a certain Every time, point i i yeah i'm really skeptical that the resident go not the resident was huh. it intern the attending. attending yeah i i'm skeptical that the attending goes and talks mm-hmm. to every single person that the resident talked to and got all the information that the resident needs. That's, oh, this seems no. highly unlikely well, they, to me. by this point i i think we can get a history down at least we we can at least Whoa. figure out. Whoa, Doctor Lady! Well, 
third year med students do it. Can we do that at least, please? Okay. All right. So the the attending mm-hmm. goes behind your work. Yeah. At clinic. Yes. Says what you're doing is right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully is awakened. Do they have to work the seventy two hour deal just like y'all do? Oh well, for clinic it's just like eight to five. Oh. Yeah, so they don't work so, weekends. So and clinic is sweet. Yes, we love clinic. Okay, so clinic and liver was the next one? Liver was next, and that one, you don't work 24 hours, but you do work like 60 to 70 hours a week, depending on how efficient you are. That sucks. Yeah. Are you at liver hospital, or is there a liver department at the hospital? There's so... There are different types of hospitals, but there's just like the liver service, and they only do liver. Any any person with cirrhosis or some kind of acute liver failure, we will get consulted for them. Okay. Um, and I guess I can say, wherever it is that you mm-hmm. work, that we're not going to disclose, but right. here's your next clue. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's more than one hospital. Yes. <laughs> In the place where you work and you get rotated around different hospitals and different departments of uh-huh. said different hospitals. Right. That's clue number two. Okay. Um, and so if there's a liver case, you're the one that gets called in. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. the liver doctor. Well. Who's the liver doctor called? A hepatologist. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Why not liver? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, like I said, we all learn Latin, and then whenever we actually talk to patients, we just say liver doctor. Okay. So, um, so what what's yeah. the kind of stuff that you see as a liver doctor? Liver doctor? You see transplants. Um, uh, really? Yeah, there's actually like a sub-sub-specialty, I think. So you can do internal medicine for three years. You can do a three-year fellowship in gastroenterology. And then you can do like a couple, I don't know how long the, you can sub, sub specialize off that into liver stuff. And then I think you can sub, sub, sub specialize off of that into just liver transplant stuff. So you can get super niche with us. Anyway. I didn't have the impression that there was that much liver transplanting being. Depends where you are, I guess. I mean, rough numbers. I don't know. How much do you see? Oh, wait, that would be a clue. Oh, no, no, no. You have to wait a little bit longer for that. Don't spoil them. Have you seen one? Um, I am not there in for the surgery, but I have seen patients pre-op and post-op. Do they really bring it in in like the little igloo cooler and pack it down with ice? I mean, just I, th- the- I think it is like that, but I again, I've never I've never actually seen the whole procedure I mean, done. That, so that seems a little close to just barbecue. Prep. No, honestly, my understanding is whatever Gray's Anatomy told me. I heard one story about someone who was on transplant surgery, and the surgeon asked the med student, "Hey, what do you think we would do if we dropped the organ on the ground?" And they were like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, we'd, we'd wash it off. And that's they it. Would, Cause, cause uh, what would you do? I mean, well, it's, it's a, liver's a pretty resilient organ, I guess. Um, well, I mean, I'm glad that they wash it off. They put a little right. Cajun seasoning on it <laughs> right. just to make it, <laughs> no, I don't know. A little spicy. Spicy. Put yeah. a little salt on it. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so you've, you've seen pre and post op, you've not mm-hmm. seen the actual transplant. No, it's it's a very long, complicated procedure. I'm, I assume that it's the same for surgeons, where if you want to do that, you do general surgery, and then you subspecialize into just liver transplant, and it, you get out when you're like 50 years old or something. And you have no interest in being surgery. No, I'm good. Why not? I... <sighs> I, I I thought this was always the dream that you you actually get paid. Mm-hmm. They hand you a sharp knife and they pay you to cut people. What yes. could, what could be better? <laughs> and as exciting as that is, <laughs> what bloody is that? Is? It's it's definitely that. Um, I think the toll it takes on you physically is pretty brutal. That's yeah. Um, because you're just hunched over a body for. Like six, seven hours at least a day for years and in just doing general surgery is five years. I I can't believe that some innovation mm-hmm. has not taken place to make it so that as a surgeon you are not literally standing on your feet mm-hmm. for ten hours a day. I mean, yeah. It, you're 25 years old, that's one thing, but I don't think there's any such thing as a 25-year-old surgeon. I hope not. <laughs> no. You know, but by the time that you're 40 years mm-hmm. old and you're pretty doggone good at it, uh, you've got this thing called knees and hips and a gut. Right. And standing on your feet for 10 hours, not so – I can't believe it's not like – they hadn't figured out a way to make it like, oh, well, I'm just playing the piano. They give you a surgery yeah. bench. And maybe they can rotate you or rotate the patient or I guess you can't rotate the patient because of spillage. Yeah. Well, that that is hand surgery. Hand surgeons get to sit down. Ah. I don't know any other type of surgeon that gets to do it. I don't know why it's just, why well, not foot surgeons. Why not leg surgeon? Why not if I'm, if I'm fixing some it, athlete's knee? If I'm the athlete, I want my surgeon sitting down. Nice and comfortable. calm, comfy. I, frankly, I want him in a lounge chair. Yeah, put a lazy boy in there. Um, uh, put him with a lazy boy, a nice, cool, refreshing beverage. Yes, a Bud Light in one hand, I, my knee in the well, other. I, I don't know about the Bud Light. <laughs> I don't know about the weed, but I, I do want him not going, oh, my back is uh, eating me alive. Yeah. I can't I can't take one more. Nurse, you do the rest of it. I got, I got to go up? sit down yeah. for they hadn't fit. Yeah. Why, why can they not do no, that it, with knees and hips and basically everything that's not torso? Yeah. Like brain surgery, can't I just sit behind the guy? Yeah. Crack, you know, open up the coconut and, <laughs> you know, or, or like I'm on a platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if I'm like looking down into, I don't, I don't know at what angle you go at to do. I mean, do you go at it's the ear, pretty... from the back, from the top? How does that? For neurosurgery? I guess. Neurosurgery, I did not see. Um, I don't know what angle you go at for that. Honestly, what ended up blowing my mind about surgery was we had an eight-week rotation on it. On and surgery? Then, yes. Okay. Even though most of us didn't want to do surgery, but whatever. Deal with it. Uh, deal with it. Um, week eight, a surgeon finally told one of the techs in there, hey – can you raise the bed? And they raised the bed so that they weren't hunched over the body the whole time. And it was it was just like, why? 
is everyone can you tell someone else about this technology please (laughs) i i feel like we've got a breakthrough here i I, 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 he needs to publish that yeah we need to patent this new device it's called a chair yeah sit down sit down at the table like it's thanksgiving meal and well you know like that old plastic that they used to put on old furniture yeah just do that just switch out the sterile cover every time. I'm, I'm suddenly really intrigued by brain surgery. And do you sit, does a guy sit up and you come at him from the top? If he's, if he's, I was thinking he's laying down, but come to think of it, what keeps the brain from just <laughs> flopping out? Just I mean, it flops out on the floor extra. and I know, I know they wash it off right, and put the Cajun yeah, seasoning it. on yeah. it. But I, I really am thinking if you're, if you're pulling the, are you really pulling the top of somebody's skull uh-huh. off to do brain? Yes. It seems like that'd be the way. But then again, there's different parts of the brain that people. Right. Are, so is it specific to here's here's what's wrong? Here's what's wrong with how you think. Mm-hmm. Here's the lobe or the whatever yeah. of the brain that we need to come at. So we're going to take a mark. We're going to shave your mm-hmm. head. We're going to take mm-hmm. a marks a lot. Right. That's that's the angle that we're coming in at, and right. then we rotate your body mm-hmm. so that I can sit in my Barco lounger mm-hmm. and not have to hunch over you and your brain doesn't flop out. And how much of your, of your scalp and your skull are we going to have to take off mm-hmm. so that we can get, I mean, these are, I think yeah, these no, are they, legitimate they, engineering questions. They normally don't take off your entire skull base. Like they normally take off like a flap based off where they're trying to get at, I think. Like, I haven't seen neurosurgery, but I have seen a lot of post-op patients with screwed-up neurosurgery haircuts where you can tell they just shaved where they were going to do surgery, so okay, they just they have, have a weird a, bald spot. Okay, well, they have to open up a skin flap. Yeah. But then they've got to bust through the skull. Yeah, they just use their little saw. Okay, well, you, you can't flap open a, a skull. You've just got to cut out your rectangle like going into the foundation of a house you take that off and mm-hmm. you just super glue it back on i i listen i don't know the mechanics of it there's there multiple reasons i wasn't allowed to do surgery on brains yeah yeah this makes me sad yeah all right so as fun as it would be well all right well i've, I've got clinic i've got liver mm-hmm this is, this is the most morbid interview I've done. I've done, <laughs> skip, I've, I've done our favorite. Do we have a favorite disease? I forgot. Did I ever get back to that? Um, Anything basic, I guess. Well, I mean, it's it's the one where somebody comes in and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you've got you've got Omicron Gamma. I, I You know, wait. Yeah. Two days from now, uh, you don't know it yet, but you're going to turn yellow. This is going to be so cool. I mean, not for you. <laughs> But, you know, for everybody, your family is going to freak when what? they see the colors that you're going to turn because yeah. you've got Omicron Gamma. And it's so cool. It was originally invented in 1832 by a French psychologist who was doing something with cows and he accidentally got infected. And now there's like only one in 500. You're one of the no. ones. This is great. Anytime someone gets some something really rare, I get nervous because the more rare it is, the less experts are there. And the more we're just frantically trying to come up with a plan, or at least that's what I'm doing. So I'm a big fan of the cold, like, the flu. 
kind of like 2020? Yeah. What was that like? Um, I was second year of med school versus third year of med school at the time. So I was just studying in the back office while the rest of the hospital was exploding. So it was fine for me. Didn't you start third year in um, 2020? Yeah. So um, COVID was March. So I was finishing up second year. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had third year starting in like August or something. And that's when we had a little bit of a clue by then. Either way, they don't trust M3s to do anything helpful. Not really. You weren't treating. You weren't taking histories. I was taking histories. Yeah. Did did they, did they really have the parking garage converted into a trauma ward? Yeah. No, I like, I volunteered at that. Yeah. Um, it was was absolutely something that looked like a sci-fi dystopian. They had people in hazmat suits walking around. Um, they had several people who had COVID who were just shut in these big plastic tent like structures in a garage. Um, definitely not something that they put on the brochure for the med school, but it was one of the cool experiences that you get to talk about later. But they should. I mean, they should be like, hey, with a little bit Mm -hmm. of luck. Sometime in your third or fourth year, a mass infection will break out, uh-huh. and you will, you'll get to be at ground zero of, of your state. Fingers to, crossed to see, to see. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, you're a patient, and mm-hmm. you're in the plastic enclosure uh-huh. in the parking garage, and all they do is give. All they do, I guess, is just give you happy talk and everything's going to be fine. I'm sorry you can't breathe. That must be yeah challenging for you, sir. I mean, I'm they. I don't think they had anything crazy like ventilators out there, but it was a lot of supportive care. Um, just giving them their fluids, managing their electrolytes, the good potassium if they can afford it, <laughs> and you know, just basic flu stuff. Because it causes a flu, but if you have extra comorbidities, <clears throat> like COPD some, or asthma, then it ends up being a lot worse for you because you're already at risk. It's over three years since the outbreak happened. Like you say, it was March of 20, so mm-hmm. we're like three and a half years in. What's the thinking now on what should have been done Versus what was done. Or is it still too soon? I know it's still too political. It's definitely that. that. Um, I think we did roll out the vaccines quickly, but appropriately. Um, People were very worried about it being rolled out too fast, but it was the same mRNA vaccine that we have been doing for flu and other stuff for a while now. It wasn't novel technology. It was just a different virus. The amount of politicization of uh, the vaccine and COVID in general, I would argue would probably be a not insignificant mistake of dealing with the pandemic. 
I mean, I, I really don't want to talk politics, <laughs> but as for, but you, you yeah. know, if you're, the, if you're Dobbs, the medical officer, if you're Reeves, the governor, mm-hmm. you've got to make decisions on shelter in place, which has an economic uh, mm-hmm. component, a huge economic component to right. it. Um, you know, and I, I want, I really wonder if it is way too soon because I mean, we still have these, you know, we still have the same people. We still have the same arguments. People are still mad about people on both sides are still mad about it. And uh, surely it's going to take 30 years before there can be any kind of dispassionate discussion about what should have been done. Right. But I guess what I'm trying to get to is medically speaking, where somewhat less politicized is the feeling that, Hey, the, the vaccines were as good as they could be. We don't have a problem with them. Um, the treatment that people were giving, we were just, you know, trying to feel our way along and it was, you know, and is the medical community to your knowledge kind of a, Hey, right now we really don't have any regrets. We don't see that, uh, you know, knowing only what we knew when we knew it, feel like we did a pretty good job on this my understanding is that given the amount of knowledge that the medical community had at the time they adapted as best they could especially with how dramatically it screwed up our supply as in there were nurses walking around with trash bags for ppe because they didn't have any other option as for the actual medical treatment for, Hey, should we have treated them with this versus this? I can't really say, honestly, um, I, I am not educated enough about how specifically the COVID treatment has changed. Um, I was talking about vaccines specifically just because it was, frustrating seeing the amount of conspiracies develop about it um when in the past it was just as simple as you know whatever vaccines cause autism because of that study that was done which has been debunked multiple times but now it's getting to the level where we would rather um buy into arguments about Bill Gates putting microchips in us rather than trusting our doctors. We believe like Donald Trump's medical knowledge rather than our doctor's medical knowledge. Well, 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 that's what you you think. (laughs) That's what you think. I don't agree with any of that, but right. Obviously (laughs) I really don't want to go into politics because all that does is make people mad. I, it must have been the most crazy seeming thing to say we are, you know, UMC is out of space. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, what about the parking garage? And everybody in the room had to look at each other and say, that is, a, that is the stupidest <laughs> thing. Right. And yet, as stupid as that is, that's literally the best answer. That's there, all we there's got. literally nothing else we can do. There's no yeah. other place to put these people. Can't bring in more nurses. We, I, I just, I, I mean, I, I always felt really, really bad for the people. For the patients, for sure. 
Yeah. For and I felt really bad for the families that. God, I, I almost hope that they didn't know that that's what was going on with the people that they were taking to the hospital because I just can't imagine. It's brutal. You know, I can't imagine if my dad, if I'd mm-hmm. known, yeah, we're taking him to uh, to the parking garage at UMC. He's in a, he's in a plastic bubble. Yeah, I'm now I'm sure for some people that would have been like, ah, oh, yeah, he's just. I thought he was going to live forever, you know, I, mm-hmm. uh, but. I just, I can't imagine. And how tired everybody was. That That's one of the things I remember is everybody was so tired. And I, I would be fascinated to know if COVID didn't produce a whole lot of people who were inspired to say, I'm going to go into nursing. I'm going to go into medicine yeah. because we were, sh- we were short of, of trained medical people or if it scared people away. I think there was a spike in ER applicants specifically. Really? Yeah, because they looked like superheroes out on the line. Superheroes. Yeah. And until I went in, um, mm-hmm. I did not have the superhero experience. I I had I had the <laughs> that was a little different. I had I had the oh my god we are another one. Uh, we are, uh-huh. but I, it had been nine months and it was. Okay, you're you know you're having trouble breathing. You're what you know your stomach hurts. Well, poor you. So what? You mm. know, it, and I did not have a uh, superhero. It was a little different. Um, but I didn't die, so I guess they did their job. Yeah. Are, they st- are they still doing uh, COVID vaccines now? Are we still like giving out COVID vaccines? Yeah. yeah. I mean, as you know, I guess I should Uh say this because anybody listening to this would think I am an idiot, which (laughs) obviously, but, (laughs) but, um, I made it, I made a peculiar decision a year ago. I'm going to totally stop following the news and I don't follow the news at all. I have no idea what's going on. If there's a massive COVID outbreak going on right now, I literally have no No knowledge of it because I don't want to know. I'm I'm tired of knowing all of it. So if I have to ask you what's (laughs) going on now. It's because I've, I've self-imposed these blinders on myself. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other thing about COVID that really shocked me was how fast anything in America can turn super political. And, I, you know, since Trump was the president, when the vaccines got rolled out, mm-hmm. I could it could just as easily have happened that that you need to get a vaccine is a R issue. And then the D's were like, we don't trust this. This is big government. This is big pharma. We don't trust Trump. We don't trust that. I could have seen that flipping yeah. in exactly the opposite direction. Cause I really don't think that people were making decisions based on trust your doctor. I think people yeah. figured out that doctors are just as political as everybody else. And the R doctors are going to say, get a vaccine. And the D doctors are going to say, well, I don't know, you know, I, Ivermectin's mm. been having, you know, we've been having a lot God. of good results, which was a real thing. Mm. You know, I very much remember that being, being a real thing. And has it been debunked? I don't know, probably by doctors. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, can you trust, can you, can you really can't? Uh, well, these are the same people that think global warming's real. Right. <laughs> <laughs> these, Cannot these, be trusted. These, these experts. Right. Um, I have never prescribed ivermectin. I have never seen any other doctor prescribe ivermectin for or uh, plaquenil, hydroxychloroquine. 
Um, it's gotten, we don't do that. It's gotten great press. No, we do not. Well, it's it, gotten great. It's pre- gotten great press. Never done Clorox either. Well, or, but that's different. No. Well, no, I have seen lawsuits that got filed to order uh, medical professionals to administer ivermectin. Really? And I've seen, I've I've heard tell. I hadn't seen it, but I've heard tell of judges signing judgments telling doctors to do that. Whether they, I, I seriously doubt anybody complied with it because they'd probably be worried about getting their license yanked. Yeah. But. I mean, if you really want ivermectin, you can go over to like Petco and. But you couldn't. No, you, no, you what, couldn't. Was it no, off the shelves? No, yeah, that, that's true. I, I am, this is all mm. hearsay on top of hearsay. But the story that I heard is, is that the uh, Department of Agriculture, the state departments and the federal mm. departments of agriculture put it all behind the glass case, so to speak, and you could not go get ivermectin even if you really, really wanted it to treat whoever you wanted to treat with it, not just your horse. Mm. Yeah, we did not use that drug. So, I, I don't know. I didn't, at least. Well, I, I, I will say I thought Mississippi did incredibly well with what they had. Yeah. And it's infuriating that we have not, it does not feel like we've learned the lesson of our supply of medical care, our, the, the, the size of the pipe that can deliver medical care. I'm not sure everybody realizes how very narrow it is. Yeah. I, now I'll say this. I think UMC is run fabulously. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really doing a good, a real good job of let's get some nurse practitioners. They just opened up a, um, I don't know what it's called, but to try to train more midwives and to Mm. get people more accepting of midwives. That's a big deal. Um, Getting as many doctors to stay as they can. I mean, I'm impressed with UMC. I just don't know that the government or that the population at large thinks that it's big that big of a deal and i don't i don't after covid i don't get why that would be the case right okay this is getting so quiet now (laughs) i I, I did not mean to preach Uh, (laughs) no i i agree that mississippi needs more healthcare professionals uh, we're really agreed yes the uh, hottest takes here we're we're really taking a stand for medicine Um, also need to be taking a stand for more insurance companies in the state. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, the good that they provide. The true victims. (laughs) Our healthcare heroes are suffering. Well, you know, that, that, that also is a story. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, it's going to be a long time before we ever get out of, out from underneath that umbrella. Yeah. As far as politics, which we're not allowed to discuss that's that. quite enough. Can, can we can we choose another topic from the board? This this, this you one spin is, the wheel. This, spin the wheel. This one got bad. You want to hear the story about my first podcast? Oh yeah, go for that one. Uh, it was it was um, all right. So this is like probably the first podcast episode that we're going to keep. Okay. Um, that, that, that's <laughs> this is you. it. No pressure. I, okay. I, 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 yeah, I mean you're you know like like the first one. Like I was like, I want to, I want it to be funny and entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so I, I worked on it like I was working on a stand up set. 
like like a set for a stand up comic, and I had a lot of good material which I would be happy to share uh, <laughs> at at any point. But like I had uh, like my opener was, and I'm not going to try to reproduce the joke, but the idea was I'm driving the left hand lane mm-hmm. of the interstate and I'm going on I-55. And, you know, left-hand lane is for the people that are moving, and this guy comes up behind me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but there's somebody to my right, so i got to get around the person to my right to let this guy go. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those deals on the interstate where, you know, I'm just minding my own business, and I'm listening to music, and this guy just flies up out of nowhere. He's going mm-hmm. in a huge hurry. And so I'm trying to pass up the guy to my right, get around him so that this guy can go. But then he flicks his lights at me. And suddenly, suddenly, my mood, my mood altered. It was a the mind altering (laughs) substance was the rays of light from his head beams going into my eyes. Going, did you just flick your lights? Okay, see, you You keep that tone. Yeah, and so I felt like that Mm -hmm. that had legs, and Mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of like somebody's honking at you. And I think there was something in there about you know. There's no way to honk at somebody politely or apologetically and say, I just... Just want to I, let you know, just, hey, buddy. I just... Look, I've, I've been... We've been sitting in a Aww. green light. We've been sitting in a green light for like 20 seconds. And mm-hmm. I know you're on your phone and I get it. But, I get it. But, um, you know, could you go... When you honk, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's no yeah. way to do that other right. than to say, you know, I'm from Brooklyn or something. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm letting you have it. And and so the whole idea was flicking your lights at me is basically that thing. And But, you know, you say that. You make that observation, and you're in the room, You're and, you know, you don't have an audience to bounce it off of. And so you're waiting for some kind of, you know, not. I thought it was funny. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This this is bad. I, I I think I think I'm going to go into my next joke. Uh-huh. So my next joke is going to be about it's it's November and it's nice and thank God because we only get two weeks in November down mm-hmm. here in the in the deep south and and you know summers are so hot. I had all kinds of material mm. on how incredibly hot it is in the summer and so i'm going through it and i realize is there anything more plain vanilla pedestrian pedestrian, that's the word is there anything more pedestrian than talking about how hot summers are Uh in the south and is there i don't think so no yeah it's not the heat it is the humidity uh, it's 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 the it's the bologna (laughs) bologna sandwich of comedy yeah you know there's just yeah okay yeah Yeah. weather you're you're it is hot in the south sir that is true please go on yeah no more no well well okay since you want to (laughs) know like 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 my like my capstone was to talk about hell Okay. Yeah. And just, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change the subject and talk Uh about, you know, the fiery burning pits of hell and, you know, Lucifer and the fallen angels have been cast into the fiery pits of Uh hell. And then the graves are open and and the book of judgment and Uh all the evildoers are thrown into the burning pits of hell. And like, 
you never die. Like you always burn forever yeah. and ever. And I've never understood that because I'm thinking, well, I can understand that for the first period of time, you know, all you do is things like go, ah, and screaming and yelling. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what about after five days? I mean, how much screaming? Yeah. And yell- I mean, at some point, your mental equilibrium comes back and you're like, well, this is really excruciatingly painful, mm-hmm. but. I'm not going to be a drama queen all day about it. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 weeks and I, I, you know, and then, so then, then it was, you know, and I, and I'm kind of sitting there going, you know, some of it's not all bad. And then, you know, like I'm in the lake of fire and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I hear this voice out in the distance and the voice says, Marco. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and now it's fun again yeah, yeah look at that yeah and and you kind of paddle over yeah. as you're burning and screaming yeah. and, and your skin is is on fire in the lava water and of course it's people from the uh-huh. south because they've been used to it they've always yeah. done it so that was the joke and you know so i've i've about gotten through that and in the middle of it i'm thinking oh my god i'm telling jokes about Right during the summer in the South, and it's so. No, I'm talking about heat and religion. I'm the most <sighs> Mississippian oh, podcaster. What, yeah. So, yeah, what else do I have? So then the thinking was, well, I'll talk about art because I really love yeah. to talk about art, and, and when nobody's here to bounce ideas off of, that's this is the warning. Um, <laughs> probably just going to talk about art for. As, yeah. as long as I think I can stand to do it. So I started doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it was, well, wait a minute. I'm talking about, and, and I mentioned a particular painting. And mm-hmm. I said, well, if you've never seen this painting or you don't know it by its name, mm-hmm. let me let me describe this painting for you. Um, and then it was like, but... Um, you know, this really doesn't help because this is a podcast. And so right. the things I'm going to tell you about this thing that you cannot observe right uh-huh, now. Uh-huh. Um, well, I had a joke built in for that. And I was like, but, you know, if if you're, dr- especially if you're driving, you know, you can look it up in your phone. And if you're driving, you know, maybe you can pull over. And the joke was, well, you know, really, what's the big deal? If you're driving, go ahead and pull it up anyway. You've already seen yeah, the roads. You've listen. seen the cars. You know the lanes. You know where you, you know are. It's on. not a problem. Yeah. You know, and I could not articulate that in a way that I thought was amusing to me. Mm-hmm. It just sounded like, you know how you're telling a joke, and it and it's just not. It's just not landing. It's just not like, of course, you don't know. But then you think, what if I explain it more? Oh, hold on. No, I'll, I'll get you. I, you're just not getting the joke. So I'll, yeah. I'll just keep on going yeah. with it. Yeah. So the, the empty room was just like not giving mm-hmm. me the laughter and feedback or, or the <laughs> groans or the eye roll. I mean, I was just, <laughs> I'll, I'll take any, I'll take tomatoes by this point. Uh, Can I get anything? Please, anything. Well, and I guess anybody who's listening to this, who does not know you and hasn't figured mm. out where you're from, 
have no or, idea. Or where you work. They're waiting for clue number three. Yeah, well, this isn't clue number three, but they don't know that you've got experience mm-hmm. doing something like stand-up. Comedic adjacent. What would you call it? Is, is that the right term? I guess so. What was it? I did speech and debate, and it was a mix of persuasive speech with little interspersed comedic bits. Except instead of delivering it in front of an audience, you delivered it to tired 40-year-olds at 8 a.m. while wearing a suit. And suddenly... It's a speech department 101. It's it's a little hard to land those jokes. (laughs) I don't know. They're hungover. They're just trying to make it through the rest of the day. And you're telling your little idiot college kid jokes and i don't know it was not my audience the 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 one guy sitting by himself the one guy sitting alone on his phone was not my audience did did you ever give a speech that you Mm -hmm. thought this thing landed this this you know everybody got it i got laughs this could be this could have been an act yeah i i did one time for sure um and i'm still writing that high it was like a classroom the of people. Time. Oh, my God. And it was like 25 people or so. But we were all in the room, and I was telling my little jokes. And it ended up being not something that I was super passionate about, but it was a story about why speech and debate is rigged in a way that wow. if you come from a school that has been doing speech and debate for 100 years— you will win all the trophies, and if you don't, you are scum. And I threw that one out there, and suddenly, whenever you talk about them to their face, they're a big fan. It's a meta joke. Yeah. It's a joke about the joke. Yeah, no. It, it's a, or, or it's a speech about the speech. That's the only way to get their attention. It was, it was like they were so addicted, and it was a super like hyper-liberal area, not to get super political again, but super woke, like actively PC, you can't say anything. And they got off on being told that they weren't being woke enough. And so they're like, oh my God, please tell me more, go off on me, like go crazy. And so I could just say whatever I wanted, and... They kept pushing me through the, to the next round. Wow, really? Yeah, they loved it. Hmm. That was my one high. Still writing it. Well, did it did it um, inspire you? Inspire, I hate that word. Did it, did it make you feel like I I could do this? It did, and yet the amount of bombs that you experience well, there's that. can end up outweighing it. So you don't die when you bomb, but you just end up reliving it so many times that you're like, mm, I might as well have. Well, I, I know that there are a lot of people that have a fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I have zero fear of public speaking. I, I, I would love to speak in public for a living. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I think you had a fear of public speaking and yeah. just somehow... I decided I, to overcome it or what? That was, that was my thing. I was terrified of public speaking and I said, I'm going to exposure therapy my way out of this. So mm-hmm. I just started doing that and realizing you don't die anytime you bomb. It just sucks. But then you end up doing better the next time because you don't want to feel that feeling again. So 
that was my harrowing story of overcoming trauma to deliver a speech to that one bored 40-year-old guy. Yeah, I mean, I've I've given my fair share of speeches. And mm-hmm. I, I would say most times, I, I flatter myself to think I'm pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say most speeches that I've given, I did not feel like it connected. I did feel like it was tedious. Um, even before the days when everybody was obsessed with looking at their phones, uh, which I think you can be the best public speaker in the world, and still five minutes in, half the audience is going to be sneaking peeks at their phone. Right. Is, I think that's going to happen. But even before then, uh, I, would, I would easily say the majority of speeches that I gave, people were looking at their watches going, oh, my God. Uh, when, when does it end every, but you're right. Every now and then everything seems to connect. Your rhythm is, you know, pitched perfectly to the audience and they're engaged and they're interested. And that one hit, you know, will carry you through, you know, yeah, a lot of, yeah, and so they won't long. remember it, and they won't notice all the little things you did right to make sure that, oh, I got this joke right because I switched that up at the last minute, and oh, I switched over that one, and it's all the little nuances that they don't notice because... Do you miss writing material? That... There was a time when you were in I was college, really into you it. were... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I, I miss getting to... Um, really get to be creative in that aspect because a lot of time in medicine they say it's an art but it's not art like comedy is an art yeah it's not really the same it could be but it probably shouldn't it probably shouldn't i'm just not sure i agree with that (laughs) not with that attitude well you know look that that's why you have the insurance uh Mm -hmm. information on the charts right you know with a good insurance company you play it straight yeah um you know and with the no insurance people, play jazz. Yeah. I mean, let's Let let's me start my five-minute bid on them. Let's, yeah, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, really, what, I mean, what's the worst? If you do, I mean. Look, I mean, the non-traditional medical mm-hmm. industry is a multi-billion dollar business. This country True. is full of people who don't care about getting proper medical treatment and in fact, and we were just talking about it, who oh, run away right. from it? Who think yeah. it's a conspiracy? You're right. trying to give me the right pill. I'm yeah. not going to take it. You yeah. can't, you know, so why not play a little jazz and say, hey, you know, we, you know, I've got this, um, uh, what is a box, uh, horse dewormer? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, somebody, somebody had to think that up and, yeah. and probably with a patient that didn't have good insurance. Maybe think about that. Look, think look about when, it. when you're in your mystery location and you're looking mm-hmm. at the chart and you look at, because the chart says what somebody else has already done on the patient. Mm-hmm. Why not look and see if there's a correlation between interesting treatment ideas and bad insurance? Wow. The, Honestly, there probably is. Well, I, mean, I just, I, you're I, giving me a look like you, like you're so disapproving. <laughs> And, that, and that's not you. 
That's... I'm putting on fake airs, trying to act like everyone should get good health care. Ooh, look at me. Yeah. I have morals. Oh, well, you think you're better than me. No, you're not from here, if that's yeah. how you feel about practicing medicine. <laughs> that's all I can say. Um, I, man, I really hope nobody takes this seriously. I'll take that or not. Little, <laughs> Don't you I'm dare. Frank, I'm frankly a little get worried that I'm going to be quoted accurately and in context <laughs> and, uh, and still and yeah yeah uh, and i would i would it, it, the, this microphone is not working properly okay. <laughs> is all that i can tell you um let's see golly time is going by fast um almost thanksgiving what are the plans what are you going to do uh thanksgiving i will be working on uh helping people on dialysis Treating people what? with, I'm doing kidney stuff. For the next four weeks, I will be dealing with people with kidney problems. So, how, how do you, how do you, what is that? So, a lot of I mean, people, I know what kidney you, problems Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, people who have like chronic kidney disease on dialysis, a lot of the time they come in with like an exacerbation. Maybe they miss their dialysis appointment and now they come in and they're, Electrolytes are all screwed up, and they have a lot more fluid on them than they should. And maybe they're confused because they have a lot of essentially a toxin in their blood that their kidneys aren't filtering out. And so now they're and there. It, and, and, it, and it affects people's uh, cognitive? It can. Wow. It can. Yeah. So um, that's what I will be doing on Thanksgiving. I, th I don't think we get that off. Saturday I'll have off, so I will not be treating people with dialysis on that day. But. I mean, for fun, I bet you yeah. can go in. Well, yeah, no, I, I think they take walk-in doctors. Well, there's, um, you know, we've got a grudge mm -hmm. at, at our house with all the Christmas lights that are, <laughs> that are not only already up, but they've been up since Halloween. And, uh, yes. I have not seen those. Well, you weren't here. Um, yeah. at Halloween or immediately thereafter, you know, the stores, that's always a thing, but people yeah. putting up their Christmas lights and, you know, Thanksgiving getting absolutely. That's the rule. That's, I don't think that that's right. I, I mean, Christmas doesn't start till Thanksgiving is over is, yeah. the, way, is the way that. I've, well, I was raised right. So I know that. Well, you know, I, I feel like. I feel like Thanksgiving is like the twelve-year-old girl, mm -hmm. and her, don't give me that look. <laughs> Thanksgiving is like the twelve-year-old girl, uh -huh. and her parents get a divorce, and uh -huh. and her dad marries the hot secretary, uh -huh. and like a year later they have a kid, and dad and the new wife, all they care about is the new kid, which is Christmas. Uh -huh. And the girl is Thanksgiving, and all that the stepmom is like, "What? You're not taking care of little Holly. Uh, you uh -huh. know, you, why don't you just go mow the yard? Uh, you need to clean out the gutters, little twelve year old girl. <laughs> you know, and Thanksgiving is unloved and unappreciated, right. even even in her own home. And I feel bad for her because everybody wants to look at little Holly Christmas time." Even when mm -hmm. it's, I mean, we're we're six days away from Thanksgiving, yeah, and it's all about the Christmas lights and what are you getting for presents and what Christmas party you're going right. to. I I have a moral blockage with in, anything yeah. before 
the day after Thanksgiving. I, just, I have a problem with that. So yeah, not to get all pre- again, not to get political, not to get all preachy and political, but I have strong opinions about things that don't matter, <laughs> and and that's one of them. Okay, what else do we need to cover? Are we about? Oh my God, I think this is going to be our first, the first podcast that is actually going to make it. So um, I don't know how to say goodbye and end a podcast. So what do I do? I think there's supposed to be a countdown. Um, let me just say thanks for coming. Thanks for getting me through this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no idea how brutal it was. <laughs> I cried so hard. Uh, I didn't actually cry. Yeah, and yet. I was like. Mentally. Yeah, well, <laughs> when, when you bomb and you know you bomb. Yeah. Like, I didn't even tell you the part where I where I was like 20 minutes in. Mm-hmm. I was like. I got to pull the parachute. How much longer? No, I didn't. I I pulled the ripcord and I said, I just, uh, no. So, um, yeah, that was, so thank you for sparing me the second death of a thousand deaths. So I don't know what else I'm supposed to do to end it. We'll see you next week. I hope. (laughs) Thanks for listening.